Welcome. This sermon podcast is a production of Refresh Community Church, where Dr. Carlos Smith is our lead pastor. Our vision is to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed for Christ's purpose, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people. We pray that you are blessed by today's message, and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Let's put our hands together for Jesus, people of God. (laughs) Well, listen, I am so grateful to be with you all, and I know like some of us are still transitioning. I want to encourage us to keep scooting in. We still got people coming in. If you can scoot in so people can just come in on the edges, it will help us out because we're pretty full. Good problem to have to scoot in. It's all right. It's all right. I'm sure at least maybe three-fourths of a shower today. Like, just scoot on in. Get cozy. Amen. Won't hurt you. Get comfy. But God is good, and I'm so grateful. And I'm just privileged and honestly a bit overwhelmed by the day because it has been a long time coming. Um, as we have been working as, as elders and staff and praying for this day and to see God's faithfulness and to see his hand um, on this church and to see what he has done uh, is just nothing short of amazing. Uh, for those of you who may be visiting, I know we've done a lot of member stuff and covenants and giving and all this stuff This focus at members, but I do want to take a moment to make sure um, that I acknowledge our guests who are here in our sanctuary and are also with us um, via YouTube and Facebook. I am so, so, so grateful um, that you have chosen to worship with us today. And that new website that we just launched, I would encourage you, if you want to look over the fence and see more about us, that's a great website. It just launched. It is like really good. And I'm not just saying it because it's like our church, like it really is this exceptional uh, website and info there. Um, but I also want to just reiterate what Pastor Jonathan said. If you want to ask more questions of me and our staff, come on out to um, our, our uh, the intro, which will be in September. But I would love to meet you and I'm glad that you are with us today. Well, I am fully aware that I'm the only thing standing between you and free food, so I'm going to try to get on with preaching and all that stuff. Um, And so I'm also standing between myself and free food, and I don't want to do that either. Um, And so we're going to look to the Word of God. And so we've been walking through our wonderful, wonderful uh, vision here at Refresh Community Church. And our vision um, here is a God-sized vision. And that vision is to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed by Christ's purposes, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people. And you're seeing people walking around with these wonderful, nice, beautiful, refreshed, minty green shirts on and blue home team shirts. And you'll be able to get yours. We have a tent out there with shirts and cool water bottles, all kind of stuff uh, where you can get um, refresh uh, merch and things like that and stickers and all kind of fun stuff. Um, But we want to look to the Word of God. And I told you we're going to be walking through the Gospel of John, um, looking at these various pictures of water and refreshing imagery. And and last time we looked at the uh, woman that actually Sister Stephanie referenced in her video, um, or I'm sorry, the the washing of the the disciples' feet there in John 13. But today we're going to be looking at the woman in the well, woman at the well from John chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 4, and it'll be on the screens for your reading if you would stand together. John chapter 4, 
And I'm going to start at verse 1. Now, look, don't be shook. I'm going to read a lot of verses so we can get the whole account. Don't mean I'm going to preach every single one, so don't be reading like, Lord Jesus, this is 85 verses we didn't read. I'm, I'm not going to preach all of them. I'm just, just giving you a heads up. Don't worry. I know some of y'all saw all them numbers. Like, what's about to happen? I just want us to get the whole context. The context itself will be a lot of the exposition, but I'm only going to just kind of cherry pick some things here. But I'm going to start reading at verse 1. John chapter 4, verse 1. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. That's very important. He had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where are you going to get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. This sister was tired. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, Okay, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to her, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem Will you worship the Father? You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking to, gasp, a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Jump down to verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Would you pray for me? Eternal God, our Father, we thank you that, God, you give us living water. 
That God, you refresh, God, you renew, you rebuild, you restore our souls that are broken down and dilapidated. And we thank you for your goodness and for your kindness. God, I pray now in this preaching moment that you would speak to your people and that you would encourage Refresh Community Church to walk in the calling and the vision that you have laid upon us. It is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. I just want to live for a couple minutes. The last two bullets of our vision statement. Now, I've already preached on our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed by Christ's purpose, but today I want to talk to us about from two ideas, our lives were built and our communities restored. You know, I, um, I actually just hopped off a plane back home from Detroit. I was up home for a few days with family. And uh, while I'm always in Detroit, while one of the things I love about the city is the architecture. There's architecture in Detroit and buildings um, that, are, that date to the uh, early 1900s when Detroit had its boom and uh, the automotive industry was booming. And it's just all this incredible, beautiful churches and buildings and all of these different uh, historic buildings that just decorate and dot the city landscape. And it's just fun. There are whole building tours that you can go of in Detroit and examine and appreciate all of the architecture. But there's this one building that is sitting on the skyline of Detroit called Michigan Central Station. Michigan Central Station was built in the early 1900s when train stations were all the rave. And being in Michigan and being in the heart of Detroit, the train station did well until a guy by the name of Henry Ford popularized this thing that we call the automobile. Y'all know what they are. You parked them across the street at Jackson Park Elementary School. Thank Detroit for those things. You could be walking. But anyhow, we... He popularized this uh, thing, this contraption called an automobile and train station and train usage began to decline. And so Michigan Central Station in downtown Detroit, a large, beautiful, ornate building with classic architecture began to fall into disrepair. And it was in use but limited so until the last train departed from this train station in 1988. Since 1988, Michigan Central Station has been pretty much abandoned and fallen into disrepair because the city didn't have money to do anything to it, nor did the state, or nobody really wanted to pour any money into it until the great-grandson of Mr. Henry Ford, Mr. Bill Ford, the chairman of Ford Motor Companies, in 2018 decided that his family would purchase Michigan Central Statement, uh, state, uh, uh, Michigan Central Station. It was a strange act for the chairman of an automobile company to do. But Bill is from Detroit. His family has roots in Detroit. And what he said was that he did not want to see this picturesque building, which had been at one point a picture of Detroit's flourishing, become an eyesore and become a story about Detroit's death. And so what Bill Ford said is that Michigan Central will go from being a story about Detroit's decay to the story about Detroit's rebirth. Bill had a vision that one building, one restoration project, one ornate and investment into the city could lead to the restoration and the revitalization of the city. And I was riding around this weekend and I said, man, Bill is on to something because he transformed this one, set one part of the city and other parts of the city are coming back and around downtown, there's some nice new shops. It was all kind of stuff going on. I was sitting downtown Detroit drinking coffee. It's just not a thing that I would have did before now. And I say all this to say that Brother Bill 
CEO had a vision that one person, one building could transform an entire landscape. And you're wondering, what does that have to do with this launch service today? Well, I'm here to tell you that I believe that based on the story that I read, what God is doing in this church, that God is able to take one church, Refresh Community Church in one city, University City, right here in the heart of St. Louis, and bring transformation to an entire city. There is a power in the restoration of just one. But what I love about this story that I read in your hearing is that this story does not just apply to this church in a launch. It applies to us individually because what we see in our text is that God takes a woman who needs to be rebuilt. He takes a woman who, from the outsider's view, needed to have a restoration project done in her life. And through this one woman, Jesus brings about restoration to an entire city of forgotten people. Now, check this out. Jesus starts with a Samaritan woman. Now, this woman, you just need to know it is what it is when we're reading the Bible. We are in the time of patriarchy and women are not looked highly upon. This woman has two stripes against her and they are wrapped up in the word Samaritan and the word woman. Women, were, women often were little more than commodified, were a little more than objectified, but when they came into the presence of Jesus, they became humanized. And so God takes a woman who in her uh, time and period would not, whose testimony would not have even been believed and uses her to bring transformation. But she's also a Samaritan woman. This is a Samaritan. I ain't got time to tell you because I know we're trying to eat. If I had a little more time on my hands, I would tell you. I, I, I would tell you all about the Samaritans. I'll tell you about these people who were descended from the ten rogue tribes of Israel who broke away from the tribe of uh, David and Judah. I will tell you that they got deported by Assyria in 722 and carried away into Assyria. And their land got resettled by a bunch of outsiders. And they, before they left, already had aberrant and heterodox doctrine and worship. And the Jews just was not feeling them. And so when they got resettled, they became an ethnically mixed group of people that the Jews did not like. And they also became a group of people whose worship was messed up. You see over when before they get deported that they was doing this weird thing, calling it Yahweh, but worshiping golden calves. It's, it's almost like they had just never read the book of Exodus, that that's a very bad idea. And so this woman had two strikes against her be in the idea that she could be used by God, but that is precisely who God singles out to bring about restoration. And I don't know what is in front of your name, behind your name, what your title is. I don't know if it's that today women are still struggling for equality and be, be, being able to do things. And I don't know if you're like, I'm a minority, I'm a black man, or I, I'm on a house in this way. Maybe you're poor. Maybe you're uneducated. Maybe you don't have a degree. Maybe you don't have a lot going for yourself. But I'm here to tell you that that is exactly what qualifies you to be an agent of God's transformation. And so I'm going to just talk to you real quick about the way Jesus reveals our lives. And when he reveals our lives, he le leaves us and he leads us rather to restore our communities. And the first thing we see in this text is that Jesus reveals the life of this woman and he reveals our lives. He does it on purpose. That's right. He does it on purpose. I know you're like, what you mean on purpose? Exactly what I said. He does it on purpose. He means to do it. He has a plan. He's intentional. Look at your Bible real quick. It says he left Judea and departed for Galilee because the scribes and Pharisees were hating because that's just what they did. And so he said, you know what? I'm going to leave Judea. I'm going to back home to the north. And the Bible says that he had to pass, verse 4, through Samaria. This sentence is a fascinating one because I'm like, what you mean had to? 
You know, what do you mean he had to pass through Samaria? He actually, devout Jews hated going through Samaria. I just told you they had weird aberrant worship over on Mount Gerizim and they was worshiping calves and they were ethnically mixed. Nobody wanted to be around the Samaritans. He had to go through there. Sure, it was a quicker route, but there was another Transjordanian route when he could have just went around and not going through, went through Samaria at all. But what I believe uh, that John notes here is not from a navigational and a geographical perspective, but I believe it had everything to do with Jesus' spiritual perspective. I think Jesus knew that there was a broken, marginalized, fallen woman who needed his presence in that moment. And so he goes, he says, I got to go through Samaria. And this woman, he meets her there drawing water at noon. Now listen, we are blessed. We can just go up to a tap, fill that thing up. We can stop by the gas station. And if you love the Lord, you feel with the Holy Ghost, your bank account is doing good, you can get yourself some Fiji water. Now, now, if... Now, if you roll high roll, it's that, it's that Sam's Club brand or that Costco's brand, the Kirkland. It's, it's, that, that's what we're going to do. Fiji, I, ain't, I don't need water from Fiji. I got to do that good old St. Louis tap. However you get water, we can get it whenever we want it, how we want it. But back then, Samaritans couldn't do that. Samaritans, in fact, there are no rivers in Samaria. There isn't plentiful water, which is why, she had to, why Jacob had to drill this well. And so she's drawing water at noon. We have no context for this, but you don't draw water at noon. It's hot. It's hot outside. It's going to be hot today. I'm sorry to tell y'all, but that's all right. We're going to try to gonna help y'all. But it, and you're going to find out in a few minutes why you don't draw water at noon. You're going to just give me a few minutes. You're going to learn. You're going to like, I understand the sermon much better now. But she's drawing water at noon, and she's drawing water at noon because I already read you the text. The woman had five husbands. She, she had been married five times. That, that, that's a lot of time. However you shake it up, whatever your view on marriage is, whatever happens five times is a lot, okay? And, and, and that's just many marriages, and that's what she had. And so there's something about this one. Then she was living a man, with a man that wasn't her husband. That's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. But here she is, five Marriage is a man she's not, she's living with, it's not her man. And the women who would go and draw water during the day did not want to be bothered with the sister here. And so because of her shame, her brokenness, her rejection, her black sheep status, she stayed away and drew water at an inconvenient time when she had to bear the heat of the day. But let me tell you what I love about this reality, people of God. It is that very shame, that very uh, black sheep status, that very ostracization that actually put her on a collision course with Jesus. Let let me tell you for a minute about God's sovereignty. The very thing that causes you shame, the very sin struggle that you have, the very fallenness, the very insecurity, the very thing that has you up in arms is the exact thing that puts you in the space of where Jesus wants to find you. I, I love everything about it. Jesus says, I had to go through Samaria. I it wasn't an option for him. He, 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 he could have geographically went another way. He said, no, it's a sister who needs me. And I believe that this Sunday, Jesus has said that I need to go through refresh, that my eyes are searching to and fro throughout the earth and throughout this church for someone on whose behalf I can show myself strong. And so if you've been battered by life, broken by shame, crippled by confusion, misused by people who should have been able to trust you, that actually puts you on a pathway for an encounter with Jesus. 
And so we see that Jesus, he reveals this woman's life on purpose. He's intentional. He say, listen, I've got to go through Samaria because there's a woman there who needs me. And that's still Jesus' heart. That's still Jesus' desire. But not only does he rebuild lives on purpose, he rebuilds lives across barriers. Look at verse 9. You know, Jesus would pull up on her. He'd say, hey, hey, I want you to give me something to drink. We see his, his godness on display, offering living water, but we also see his humanity. He says, I'm thirsty, and he's actually modeling for the woman. He's already drawn her in, and she doesn't know it. This is the God, man, 100% God, 100% man, in the incarnation having a conversation with her, and he says, I'm thirsty. He's modeling for this woman that when you have a need, there are constructive ways to meet it. And so he says, I'm, I'm thirsty, and, and check this out, even though society says we shouldn't be connected, I'm willing to drink from your cup. And so she's confused. She says, verse 9, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Those are two different things. I'm a woman, and I'm a Samaritan. How do you not, how are you asking me this? You know we don't have anything to do with one another. And what we see here is that Jesus reveals lives across barriers because he says, sister, you are being distracted by something that's going to keep you from seeing the God man in front of you. You see, you are operating in a paradigm that was given to you that you have existed in, and because of it, you are unable to see who God is. In Refresh Community Church, I believe that God has delighted to build this church into a beautiful multi-ethnic movement precisely because he says, I don't want us to be distracted by our differences. Because when we are distracted by divisions, it can keep us from seeing Jesus. You know, there's this thing I think that the church is suffering from, and it's a thing that in the military they call friendly fire. It's simply this. You shoot your teammates. Y'all you, 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 going out to war together, and y'all done got confused and mixed up somewhere or another, and you start shooting one another's planes, shooting one another. And the church so often, we are got friendly fire going on. The, the truth of the matter is that the Jews and the Samaritans were descended from the same place, even though it got all mixed up. And really, the Jews needed the Samaritans. And actually, there was great history in Samaritan, but the two never talked. And Jesus said that you have become distracted by the divisions, and it almost blinded her from seeing Jesus. Jesus. But lastly, not only does Jesus rebuild our, lives, re, uh, rebuild our lives on purpose and rebuild our lives across barriers, what I love about this text is that he rebuild, rebuilds our lives with satisfaction. He says, listen, I, I don't, you, you, you kind of caught up on this other stuff, and I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to build a bridge across some differences. And I'm doing that in this church and in this place, but I'm doing this as well because I want you to truly be satisfied. And so in verse 10, Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus offers this woman living water. But what does that mean? What does living water mean? It's, it's, it means a couple things. One, it just means running water. He says, I'm going to give you running water. This is why the sister was kind of confused. He's like, well, how are you going to get this running water? They're sitting on Jacob's well, which was a very unique well that's still in operation today. But it actually is both a spring that wells up and then a cistern that holds what wells up. And so when he says living water, She's thinking running water. And he says, what? She says, what are you, how are you going to give me such running water? How are you going to do this in this situation? But not only is she thinking about that, he's actually drawing on Old Testament imagery where Yahweh is called the fountain of living 
waters. And in Old Testament imagery, there's this particular picture in Ezekiel 47 where there are living waters that come from the temple that outside of Jerusalem. Ezekiel 47 says that in the temple, and this is eschatological imagery, there will be living water that wherever this river goes that runs out of the temple, every living creature, everything where there are salt water that has not had life, all of a sudden it will begin to live. And I believe this is the imagery that Jesus is drawing on when he says living water. In Ezekiel, the fresh water that runs out the temple runs into the salt sea, into the dead sea, and it causes everything that's dead to live. And that is exactly what the gospel does. The water of the gospel runs into the dead places of our life, and it brings satisfaction in the areas of our life that have been dead to God are now able to live. And so Jesus says, I am the living water. I am the one that can satisfy your thirst. I am the one that causes the barren places to live. I am the one that is able to pour out the glory of God and cause the deserts in your life to come forward. That's what this refreshed stuff is all about. It's about the waters of the gospel. It's about the water of who Jesus is causing the barren places of our life to flourish. And so she, she says, listen, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. In verse 13, she says, listen, who do you think you are? Do you think you are better than our father Jacob? Now, I, it, uh, in a way it sounds spiritual, but in a way it sounds kind of wild because have you ever read the story of Jacob? I mean, this guy was a deceiver. He tricked his brother. This guy was an absolute mess. It ain't that hard to be better than Jacob, really, <laughs> ultimately. Ain't that hard. But she's challenging him. Who, who do you think you are? And then he points her, he begins to draw a dichotomy. He says, you still think I'm talking about natural water, sister. And I'm, I'm talking about living water. And he draws this dichotomy. He says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But everyone who drinks of living water will never thirst. He says, you're thinking about natural water. And this water will leave you thirsty again. I'm trying to give you living water that will never let you thirst. Because this water will you have to come back to over and over and over again. But living water, you never have to come back to again because it wells up. This water starts and stops with your own desires. But living water becomes a spring of water that overflows to other. This water will seem to bring satisfaction, but you got to keep coming back. Living water will ultimately not only satisfy you, but satisfy the people around you. And so this water, I believe in this passage, people of God, is just simply a counterfeit fulfillment that the world has for us that masquerades as something that can satisfy us, but is nothing more than salt water. You know, I was on vacation. I was down in Destin in the Gulf of Mexico. And you know, that was the first time I really tasted salt water for real. And it was salty. It was unbelievable. I, it got in my water. I, I thought, I was like, if I had a salt, sore throat, I would just gargle with this. This is unbelievable. Not only did the salt water taste salty, the salt water just totally destroyed my phone. My phone I had to get a whole new phone. I thought fresh water and salt water, same thing. I'm a city boy. I told you, I don't know. I went down there. I'm taking pictures. And then I got on my phone, started tweaking. It was like, ah, and died from all the salt in it. But I learned that salt water is not something that can bring you satisfaction at all. It may seem like it, it may look beautiful, you may swim in it, but it has no uh, uh, refreshing qualities whatsoever. And this water for this woman was salt water of relationship. 
You see, she had been in five marriages, and I told you, any way you slice that, you know, I mean, what I've learned in my walking with people is that, me, myself included, that, you know, when you're having issues in a marriage, it's always, it's never just one person's fault. So, so I, I think it was five times, I don't know what was going on, but I also don't want to be too hard on the sister. I feel like we have beat her up historically in the church because she was married five times. But you know what? I give her kudos because it didn't say she was like a baby mama five times. It doesn't say that she was in incommitted relationships five times. She had been married. She tried to do it God's way five times. Five times. I, I, I think this sister here, she tried, okay? Like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not going to beat her all up. She tried, okay? Then she, she, and it didn't work out as she planned. I don't know if some of them died. I don't know what, which ones cheated. I don't know who's, I, I don't know. It's just five. And I, the reason why I want to be kind to her is because she ended up in a sixth one. And I mean, you kind of see that she's with a man that's not her husband. And she's kind of like, I, I, I ain't trying no more right now. And I'm kind of like, huh? I mean, five is a lot. I mean, you know. And, and, and some of us, you know, we, and, and, and we can see that this sister's relationships were not her strong suit, but she tried. And if we're honest before the Lord, the reason why we shouldn't be so hard on her is because some of us has tried. We're saying, God, I have tried it your way. I've tried to be faithful. I've tried to give. I've tried to tithe. I've tried to be in the church. I've tried to live right. I've tried, and Lord, it ain't working, or it looks like it's not working. And so... This one last time, I'm going to do it my way. I'm, I'm a, I got, I tried it your way five times, but I'm going to just go over here and do it my way this one good time. Let me just see how it works out. And God loves this woman so much that he won't let her give it a sixth try without him. God, God says, I, I know you didn't try it my way, but before you go and do something crazy or crazier than you've already done, let me interject and intercept you on this well here. And God is saying the same thing to you because some of us are here listening and you know you've been trying it God's way and in your mindset, it ain't working and you just here for the free food. But God had a divine appointment with you just like he had with her. And he's saying, let me intercept you and bring you on back into relationship with me. Yes, God, God says, let me, let me bring her on back. And so he interrupts her because her thirst signals were off. You see, she had experienced this, this situation where she had tried it and she had sought to do it right. But it was like when you become, I learned this, you know, I've been trying to eat right and lose weight. Don't worry about that when y'all see me at these food trucks, by the way. Don't forget I just said that. <laughs> these are the Lord's calories today. I'm hitting all the food trucks. I'm telling you. If I cut in front of you, just say, okay, like, you know, just not like, just like he preached hard today. Just. What I learned, though, you know, as I've been, been trying to eat less food, being a calorie deficit, is I was reading stuff, and this is what the stuff said. All the things, all the websites and all the things say this. It says that sometimes, because we have become so overfed and malnourished in our country, the way our food works, is that often we're hungry and we mistake it for thirst. Or I'm sorry, often we're thirsty and we mistake it for hunger. So we really just need some water and we think we're hungry. And so everything I was reading said, hey, before you eat something, just drink a glass of water because your signals 
are off. And this lady had been feeding so long on malnourished relationships that it caused her signals to be off that she thought that she could fulfill something herself. But God comes to let her know that let me reset your palate and let you know that what can really fulfill you and where you can really have your thirst quenched. And so she's seeing this because Jesus, he didn't penetrated and looked at her whole life and said, listen, I'm glad that you're an honest woman because, you know, where's your husband? And she says, hey, look, I ain't got one. He's like, good, because you had five, you're shacking up now. Yeah, at least you're honest. At least you're not a liar. And Jesus exposes this lady, but he doesn't do it to shame her. He does it to heal her. It's like going to the doctor. If you go to the doctor and something wrong, you got to tell him what's broken. And when Jesus shows us our sin, when he shows us ourselves, when he truly knows us, he's not doing it at any point to hurt us, to harm us, to break us. He's only doing it to heal us. But it's scary. And so the lady starts evading him with weird theological conversations. Well, your people say you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. We say Mount Gerizim. Jesus say, ah, ah, it's Jerusalem. Cut that out. But she's trying to... She's trying to evade because it's easier to argue about God than to be known by God. And, and I just want to talk for a minute to our church folks because some of our church folks and some of our theological bros and folks who like high theology and all that stuff, we on blogs, we reading books, we want to debate, we want to argue, and we think we're safe behind our library. But God is saying, I'm trying to penetrate past your library and get into relationship with you. Yeah, some of us use our knowledge of God as a mask to not actually truly be known by God. And so God says, I want to actually see you. I want to expose you so that I may heal you. And so Jesus finally lets the woman know what's going on. But then she changes the conversation, but her theological knowledge helps. He says, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. And so in that moment, after talking to Jesus, she realized that this is someone who truly knows me. She goes back to her village and she says, let me tell you about a man who told me everything I ever did. And let me tell you what the implications are of that people of God. He told her everything that she ever did. And while everybody else rejected her and shamed her, he did not. You see, the beautiful thing about when we experience the gospel, when we drink of the living water of our relationship with Jesus, is that he knows us fully. He knows our brokenness, our fallenness, our frailness, and he won't shame us. He won't reject us. He wants to do nothing more than embrace us. And what I love about this is that he rebuilds her life on purpose. He does it across barriers. He uh, rebuilds it with satisfaction, but then he deploys her to restore communities. And this is exactly what Jesus does for us because he takes a woman and listen, everybody knew her story. That's why she came to draw water by herself. Everybody knew her past. Everybody knew her history. Everybody knew her brokenness. And that's exactly what Jesus needed because her testimony was that if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. And so what he does is send her back into a community of outcasts, of broken people with bad theology and heterodox worship. They followed all the prosperity preachers. They liked all the weird preachers and all the stuff that we don't like as reformed folks. And he sent her to them to witness about who he was to people who knew her backstory. And she showed up fully as herself. 
And people of God, if we are going to bring restoration to our communities, they don't need no fake church folks cliche, acting like you got it all together and, and, and acting like you put together. What they need is someone who can walk in the trueness and the fullness of their full testimony and tell them that I don't look like what I've been through, but God has been good to me. God has been faithful to me. God has kept me. God has healed me. God has delivered me. You know, I, I love this story because I, I say it every Sunday and it's because it's true that Jesus delights to restore broken people. He is in every text. That is the gospel, people of God. The gospel is that Jesus delights to restore broken and fallen people and he loves to use us. And listen, I'm here to tell you that he needs the fullness of the story of Refresh Community Church. Ain't no need, let me be clear, we didn't change the name because we're trying to hide from our history as the journey or hide from our story as the gate. No, we embrace that because this is part of what God is doing in this city. And I want to encourage you not to hide anything about what God has done because the degree to which you press down and you deny and you hide your brokenness is the degree to which you hide his glory. Your brokenness and his restorative power is complemented by his restoration and his raising up of you through your brokenness. You know, one of the things I like about life, and I'm done because I know we got to eat. One of the things, one of the things I love about, about uh, you know, things I got the opportunity to teach. I teach at like some uh, at, uh, MOBAP and Covenant and things. And I get to hang around students and I really um, enjoy it. And I have always loved uh, teaching and getting to know these people from around the world. And so I had one student uh, a couple semesters ago and this guy was a legit Roman, like from Rome. I was like, whoa, that's crazy, bro. <clears throat> it's a whole book of the Bible to you. <laughs> what you, what'd you think about it? Uh, but anyway. Dude, I knew a Roman student. And um, I was just talking to him because uh, one of the things I want to do is um, I haven't been to Europe. And I was like, man, I really want to go to Rome and just see all of these sites. And he was like, oh, man, he has thick Italian accent. He was telling me how beautiful it is. And he says, he, he was talking about how it never gets old. He was like, I was raised around it. And it just never gets old to me. And he started telling me about the Colosseum and all these historic buildings. And then he started telling me about the fountains around the city. He started telling me about all these beautiful fountains. And he was like, the water is just pristine and you can taste the minerals in it. And he started talking to me about how some of these uh, fountains are still fed by aqueducts that were built thousands of years ago. And I was like, bro, what's an aqueduct? Uh, <laughs> and I didn't even know they had pipes thousands of years ago. That's crazy. <clears throat> and he started telling me, he started telling me, he was like, yeah, man. He was like, uh, the way they did it, he was like, they, they used gravity and they used the slopes and, and they would build them downhill so they went and that's how the water flows in. And I was like, but that don't make sense. I like, because you cannot always, like, it isn't like you're constantly always going downhill anywhere. Like, that doesn't just, that don't match. How do you, how does it work? And he's like, well, I don't know. I just know that it works, okay? Like, you know. I don't build them, I'm just telling you, this is how it works, it's fed by aqueducts. But in my, in my rampant curiosity, I decided I wanted to know more about how these aqueducts work, because I'm fascinated by the engineering of the ancients. And what I found out is that yes, it does work with gravity, but they also have these things called siphons, where they actually, they, build, they put it downhill, but when it has to go uphill, they dug a deep hole that would rush the water down, and it would go downhill so fast that it would shoot up and go over the next hill and keep going. 
And it was fascinating because what he said to me and what I learned was that in order to get fresh water to a city that did not have any, it had to involve going downhill. It had to involve gravity. It couldn't constantly be going straight or uphill. Sometimes it just had to go downhill. And if you don't know where to shout, that's a great place because some of you have been looking at your life and wondering why it's going downhill. Maybe you've been married five times and ain't none of them worked. Maybe you done started five businesses and they done all failed. Maybe you done tried five different investments and ain't never got your money back. And God says even the parts of your life that seem to be going downhill is still going to eventually go uphill to supply the refreshing that you need. And so the parts of your story that are broken, that are shameful, that are hurtful, that you don't want to see, God says, I need that too. Those stories that are not glorious, the stories of our church history that don't make us look that great, God needs those. Those stories around you that tell you and bring that shame and that guilt that you don't even want to go Thanksgiving about, God says, I need those parts of your story because those parts of your story set up for the high points when you will be able to give me glory for bringing you from a mighty long way. When I'll be able to bring you and show how I've delivered you, how I have kept you, how I've put food on your table, how I've redeemed you when you could not keep yourself. So don't be discouraged, people of God, when things seem to be going downhill because it is those moments where gravity gets the best of us that sets us up for the redemptive power of Christ. And so as we get ready to go forward, I want to encourage us, Refresh Community Church, that as Jesus reveals our lives, he is seeking to use us to restore communities, and he is going to do that through us bringing the fullness of who we are as a church, but individually in your life, he's going to do that through you bringing the fullness of who you are as a person. So don't hide your testimony. It's folks who need to know what you've been through. Don't pretend like you got it all together. We know the truth. God is saying, let me get maximum glory because where you are weak, that is where I show my strength. Let me pray for our time. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you. God, I thank you. I'm always grateful that you use folks with a checkered past and that God used a woman whose life needed to be repealed. And God, you rebuilt it on purpose. You knew she was there. God, you rebuilt it across barriers because you knew she was different. But God, you rebuilt it with satisfaction because you knew she was thirsty. And ultimately, you used her to go and spread the gospel to an entire community of people who had bad theology, was separated from you. And God, from that you gave, you got maximum glory. Father, I pray for Refresh Community Church that you would do the same thing through us. That God, through us, that you would rebuild us, that you would renew us, that you would restore us so that you can get maximum glory from our community. Thank you for today. Thank you for the celebration. Thank you for the gift of God and for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we worship a little more and get ready to go out and celebrate, I want us to stand together. We'll have our response team. Listen, if you, re if you, if you relate to this woman, if you hear this story about this woman, and you're like, man, I know what it feels like for things to be going downhill. You need to know that Jesus is able to redeem you. That Jesus is able to redeem your situation and get maximum glory. And what I love about Jesus, he doesn't just save this woman, he saves her whole community. She probably had family members there, people she hadn't talked to in a long time there. And she saves them and draws them to herself. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray this message has impacted you in a meaningful way. If you want to know more about how Jesus can change your life, we would love to connect with you further. 
send an email to hello at refreshcommunity.church or come visit us at 829 North Hanley Road in University City, Missouri. Be sure to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and see you next time.